0: like that phrase, the shadow of the cross. We have entered into a new sermon series in this new year. It's really new, but continuing the theme from last fall, how the Lord Jesus Christ transforms us in our brokenness into healing and blessing and transformation. Today, our preacher is Jay Mitlow. Jay's not a stranger to this area. He and his wife, Rachel, live here with their three children, Joe, Bella, and Trey. And Jay has ministered for a number of years in ministries such as Young Life, and also been involved in the volleyball coaching at Pin Hills High School. Been a blessing to many churches and many folks in many ways, and to us as well. We're familiar with his family, his brother Tom and his sister Marcy, and their families are members here at Hebron. And the Lord has chosen for Jay and Rachel and their children, particularly their son Trey, Go through a real incredible challenge, and here to challenge us with that and to stir us by it. Jay.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Is that better? There we are. Well, I want to thank you all for having me this morning. I know most of you had nothing to do with that, but uh, thanks for not leaving so far. But uh, it's good to be here, and I want to let you know, for those of you who already know our story, we're okay. We're all right. And you'll hear more about it as we go. But as we sit here today and as we move forward, I hope that you allow God to work in your heart through your open ears and not just observe what God has, as Pastor Tim said, called us to go through. But I want to thank Really, all of you, because you have been so instrumental in our life through this season, through this battle, it has from, from your corporate support to individuals who have helped us, for those who have prayed for us, for those of you who have treated us as if it was just any other day, and you may have gone home and felt like a failure, that you didn't pray for us, or you didn't pull me aside and say that special something. The fact that you just talked to me about the stealing game and nothing else, thank you. We need that too. And God has worked in many, many different ways through this time. And I want to give a very special thank you to Pastor Doug. He has been very kind and loving to me as a man, as a fellow minister for years, but especially in the past few months, and especially just a few a little while ago, he suggested that I might preach here, which is a real blessing to me. It's, it's what I like to do. I know all of you would prefer to be me this morning and, and get to deliver God's word. We all have the same view of public speaking. And when he first suggested it, I thought it might be something like the history of the, Pres- of the Presbyterian Church. I thought he might have me preach on that, or, you know, pre versus post millennial tribulation resulting in an amillennial stance. You know, I I thought that would be my wheelhouse. But instead, he he chose for me to preach on loving your son. And if you're like me, and you're sitting here, maybe you don't have children, and so you're going, so should I just leave now? Because it doesn't matter, because I was there. I, I was, you know, single, I didn't have kids. I will tell you that the sermon today, what God has put on my heart, applies to each and every one of us, because it ties into the hardest part of loving your child. Now, what is that? What is the the hardest part? And maybe I'm wrong, but it comes down to control, doesn't it? We think we have control over our children. Somebody who I won't identify, I'll just call them T. Mitlow, or maybe Tom M. to protect their identity. Before he had children, he said, my kids are going to get one toy quarter, and I'm going to put up with no willful disobedience. Because he was going to be in control. Well, you know what it turns out, both as a parent, but also really in our life, we have very little control. And we're going to look at that in our scripture today. And if you get the newsletter, the e-newsletter, I want you to know that I have to ask for a little bit of a, a leeway. Doug suggested the story of the prodigal son is maybe something I would look at, and it made perfect sense. And for those of you who are theologians, theologians, you're going to sit here and say, but Jay, that's not about parenting. You see, in fact, it's the third defense against the accusations from the Pharisees and the scribes who were accusing Jesus of spending too much time with sinners or any. Well, that's true. However, I hardly believe that Jesus would use a parable involving a father and a son if it did not reflect the way he wanted us to view our son and how to view and how to be a perfect parent, if you will. And furthermore, what I bring forth today, it's a good general guideline, perhaps it's macro, not necessarily micro, but I want you to know that parenting is a godly thing, am I right? It's a very godly thing. God certainly is the one, he's the author, he's the one who, who gives us our children, but he uses us, which is an amazing thing if you think about it i mean we were made together in his you know in, in the innermost being god knew us he created us an irish theologian tommy johnigan once said isn't it amazing that that childbirth creating a child can be done simply by mistake he said you never hear anybody wake up and say you know what last night i i think i built a shed Well, that doesn't happen. But yet you hear, we we made a baby. My wife and I, we weren't planning, but we did. It's an amazing thing that we get thrown into. And you know, I was really thrown into it about a year ago. And you talk about not having control. Christmas Eve, just to get you caught up to where we are, December 24th, 2010, we found out that our youngest son, was diagnosed with cancer. He had neuroblastoma, something that happened in utero, and he was two years old by the time we got the diagnosis. And it looked like about a 60% chance that he would be alive and cancer-free in five years. And Rachel said to me just last night, she said, you know what, I'm a careful person. She said, I'm probably overly careful with our children. You know, we don't let them ride with other people when they drive, and you know, we're the parents that drive on field trips because nobody else is driving my kid, but that couldn't stop Trey from getting cancer. And so we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at the control we do have and the control we don't have. And so I would like to share with you the story, and as I read through the prodigal son, there's probably not too many of you who haven't heard it. Well I would pray given what I have just said and in your own life you might hear some things for the very first time. Because if I walk away from here today and you feel bad for me. Or perhaps you are amazed that I could stand here and talk about my son in such a way then I have failed you. But if you can walk away saying God spoke to me today. Well that's a beautiful thing. So before we read his word would you would you just bow your heads or open your eyes? Do what you want. I really don't care. But uh, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you that your word is brand new. And I thank you that you have a specific message for each person who is here today, from the very youngest to our most senior citizens. And I pray that their ears would be open, that their heart would be softened, and they would hear that specific message for them. Father, please let me get out of the way and, and you speak loudly. We love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property among them. Oh, there it is right there. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. There's a few points that God impressed upon me this morning. If we are going to successfully love our son, our children, the first, realize that he is God's son first. It's not yours. He's not yours at all. If we look at this, it says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. How quickly he did that. If you look at Deuteronomy, the way that worked was the older son... I just did a Tim Williams squeak. <laughs> and then I hop. The older son gets a double portion. I don't agree with as the younger brother. But the son said, give me my third. I'm no longer your son. Father says, fine. Here's your portion. Seriously how would that go as a parent? I mean, of course, half of us would say, you want one-third of my debt? You're welcome to have it. Go, kid. If we look at the piece earlier with Abraham and Isaac, God says, take Isaac, take him up on the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him, loosely speaking. And Abraham says, okay. Why? Because he's God's son first. Abraham's second. Shortly after Trey was diagnosed, the wave of everything hit us. God impressed upon me, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I had to sit here, and he said to me, and I'm not that guy. I don't have the big red phone to Jesus. Okay? I don't come up to you and say, the Lord told me, because 9, of 10, 10, 10, he doesn't. I'm sure he does. I just don't. you so good. But God impressed upon me that if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he, if he may require one of my two for his glory, who am I to say no? Who am I? We have to realize they are his first. We have to realize we are not in control. And that he is. Point number two. We need to realize yeah, that was number one. Well we need release control to him. There it is. Control of your child back to God. Not many days later the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. What's missing from this scripture? Where's the argument? Where's the, are you nuts? Where's the, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lose all your money. Where's the long, drawn-out battle? Where's the fight? Where's the story about when you were a child and, and a teenager of the same age? Now maybe it's there and Jesus just didn't tell you about it in the scripture. But once again, this radical father who has given him one third of his wealth, which if this was a stewardship message, it's not his anyhow, but I digress. And he doesn't stop him. The first point, realizing, is sort of inner. You have to come to this understanding. "Ah, It's not my kid, is it? It's God's. I have to follow that. If it's inconvenient for me, if it's hard for me, if it's tough for me, I have to do it. Step number two, there's more action involved. And in this case, a great deal of inaction. He lets him go. But if we look back to Abraham, he takes Isaac up on the mountain. He literally ties him down. You want to talk about releasing control? People have admired how Rachel and I have handled this situation. There wasn't a whole lot else we could do. Some of you have dealt with much more difficult situations to a degree than we have. Because you've had choices. You've had to decide, you can't stay here anymore. You've had to say things like, I can't help you anymore. I know of a parent who once put a post-it note on their computer for their child that they had struggled with for years. And at their office, they finally put a post-it note on their computer And it said, okay, Lord, I mean it, whatever it takes. That's a scary prayer. Whatever it takes. They released control over their child. The pretend control we don't really have in the first place. They gave it back to God. When it comes down to our situation in my family, I would love to tell you that God is going to heal Trey. I would love to tell you that as I stand here right now, I know there are over 10,000 people praying for him. That's conservatively from the Philippines to in this very room. All around the world. And I can name it and I can claim it I wish I had the faith of the centurion who says, God, if you say it, it'll be done. But I have much more of a Shadrach faith who says, my God is capable of anything. And if he chooses, he will save me. But even if he does not, I will still praise him. I will still follow him. I have a Shadrach faith. God can heal Trey, but he may not. When I say that God gave me John 3.16 very early on, another thought crept into my mind. And it was, Trey not making it may bring more glory to him than if he does. And I had to struggle with that. I had to ask, is that, is that God preparing me? Or, or is that Satan discouraging me? you know what I had to do? I had to release control. I had to say, God, you're going to do what you're going to do. We pray. We cover the bases. I take my steps. You as a parent, if you're going to love your child, you've got to do all you can do. And you've got to pray, is this the right thing? But when it comes down to it, he is in control. Why? Because he's his first. Point number three, rely on the Holy Spirit to convict and or to return the child to you. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. How many of you have longed to hear that from a son or a daughter? Father, I have sinned against you and against mummy. Allow me to cut the grass, please. I don't know why they became British. The Son realized the error in His ways. The Holy Spirit, you see, loved the Son and was working in the life of the Son. I mentioned earlier about that famous theologian. He may have been a comedian about the shed thing, I'm not sure. But God uses us. But he created the child. He loves the child. And he's working in the life of the child. You have to be able to trust that. Why do we take control back? Thank you for creating this child. I will take care of him, God. But then again, don't we do that? Single folks, people without children. In our own life. We say that we came to know Christ. That it was a gift, not of our own works but the free gift of God, grace. But then we begin to live our life as if it's all about us. We keep our spiritual scorecard. Oh, I didn't sing too bad today. Did all right. Sanctified. Coming closer. Coming closer. We do the same thing as a parent. What a precious gift of God. I'll take it from here, Lord. Again, where's the lecture? Where's the email? You can come home anytime you want. I have your bed still made for you. How's the pig slop, boy? What'd I tell you? The Holy Spirit is working. Trust that. When Abraham was ready to slay his own son, what did God do but provide a ram? Tim mentioned that I've been in youth ministry I got a phone call from a mom had been a heroin addict and praise God she had come to know Christ and she said you've got to fix my daughter she's going down the same path she's dabbling with drinking and drinking leads to drugs and she's going to be just like me and I said ma'am we talked for a while I said, the same God that loved you and took 54 years of talking to you loves your daughter. You can't fix her in one day. You can try, but you're going to have a whole new battle on your hands. I said, the same Holy Spirit that worked in your heart will work in hers. Lastly, there's time to rejoice. Rejoice and relax if your child returns. And if they don't, go back to step one. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And as it goes on, there's a huge celebration. You know what's missing from this? The I told you so speech. Earlier in the Abraham and Isaac companion piece in Genesis, God says to him, You have shown me that you fear me, so you may kill the ram instead. Once again, I'm paraphrasing. You can rejoice. I share the thing about the fearing God, because you see that's something I've struggled with for years. the phrase "fear God." I always thought, why would I keep sinning to go back to parts of the earlier sermon series? Why would I sin if I really loved God? If I feared God, you know to, in the old school, they all learned how to fear God. In today's day and age, God's everybody's best friend, and their buddy. He's my good pal. Well, both are true. But how does it work? And so I sat here, and I read those words. You have feared God because you did not withhold from me your son. And I wept during that sermon. That God would speak to me in this time and say, Jay, you do fear me. You have not withheld from me your son. And then I cried for a different reason. Abraham got to keep Isaac. I said, Lord, what about me? Do I get to keep Trey? And I got right back up to point number one. He's God's, he's not mine. And the answer is, I don't know. Now, we've been told recently the care that we're seeking is now quantitative life, quality of life, not necessarily the cure for Trey. There is no medical cure for him at this point. And that's that's daunting. That's a trial. That's a challenge. But as Doug and Tim have pointed out. What does that present us with? A big shovel that I should, that I should just hide my head inside the hole that I dig and wait? I can't, and I won't. You see, God uses these horrific times, and I kid you not, it is tough. But he uses them so that we can minister to others. It has been amazing what God has done in this past year. My sister Marcy said to me, Jay, I've stopped telling you. I hope you know that God is using Trey and using you and Rachel and the kids in great and mighty ways. She goes, i just stopped telling you the stories. I get stopped in the grocery store, stopped in the hospital, stopped here. I want you to know that God has done this, and God has done that, and God has done so many great things. Why? Because we have been open and vulnerable about our journey. I'm not glib as I share this story. I'm not in denial. We're well aware of what is ahead of us. But God is and will use it for his glory. I know that some of you I take that back some people have had a problem with my story I, I, I got a message the other day Jay, I don't know what I want what you can do with this but my father's very angry at God that he would allow this loving God would allow your son to go through this and he has lost his faith over it. I don't know what what to do and I've had more than one person and and if you bought me a copy, thanks, I'm good, say to me, you should read Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People. I've often thought of hitting them with that book and then saying, why did that happen? Sorry. (laughs) You see, Jesus himself says, John 16, 33, in this world, what? You will have trouble. Last week in the sermon, we talked about how love conquers what? All things. Perseveres all things. Okay, We look at the love, but we go past the all things. You see, those things are coming that need to be overcome, persevered through. The fact that I have the God of all creation, of Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Jesus, David, the same God that created the heavens and the earth this very morning spoke to me My brother in Christ, Terry, walked up to me and he said, Jay, God gave me a word. God speaks to him less than he speaks to me. And he said, blessed assurance. Do you know the first two words we sang today? Blessed assurance. Now, in my most infinite wisdom, I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Maybe God will give you a word and you'll explain it to Terry and I. But the God of all creation, Is whispering in my ear through this tough time with my child the one that God has given to me well what a blessing that is so no I'm not angry I'm not bitter and I hope you aren't either I hope you are seeking him I hope you are open and honest and vulnerable with him And with those who you can be open and honest and vulnerable with. I hope that you can give him control of your loved ones. That you can realize they're his, not yours. My prayer is that you will release them to him. And give up that tight bound you have over top of them. And allow God to love them through you. Trust that he's working in their life. He is. They may not be responding. They may not come home. I may not get to keep Trey. But you see the control runs deep. It's not up to me. I'm not the author and perfecter of my faith. He is. So often I hear people say, Everything's okay as long as my kids are healthy. Oh, so then what? Now you're really angry? You get no choices. My prayer is that you can do those things. Because there are those who live in a darkness. Please don't ever forget this. Please don't. These are tough and terrible times for Rachel and I. But you know what? The love and amazing things that we have seen, I don't know, I want to say far outweigh the toughness, but it's close, it's close. We have been to the hospitals. We have seen other families torn apart. We have seen such darkness in others lives and please know you're surrounded by folks who walk in a darkness you can't remember because at your worst you ask God why at their best they don't even know who he is but as you struggle as you face the day and face the challenge before you which so often involves our children Realize, you still have him. They don't. They don't know that they do. So please, look for them. Love them. Don't pretend to be that Christian that has all the answers. Be that real person that says, I love you. And I will be with you through this the whole way. And say that to your son and your daughter as they go through the challenges of life. I love you. And I will be with you through this life the whole way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have been here this morning. I thank you that you are within the hearts and the souls of so many of these people. That you have called them into a relationship with you. That you are their father. And that at some point in time. They stood before you and said. I give you control. Of my life. I thank you that. You have worked in their life. In a great and mighty way. And that you have put. Into their life, others that they are responsible for, that they are in charge of, or they are assisting. And I do pray that they have been brought to a point where they realize they can't, but you can. And I know that is a battle and I know that is a challenge. But I thank you that you don't stop helping, you don't stop teaching. And we all know you do not stop loving. And so, Father, for those who are hurting and are crushed here today, would you please let them know that you're holding them ever so gently in the palms of your hands. Let them know that there's loved ones around them they can trust no matter how many times they have been hurt. And, Father, open their eyes. To those who have no clue who you are. For those who are so sad, so hopeless, that they just want somebody to say, I know, and I'm sorry. And to just give them a gentle touch. And Lord, if any of those people are here today, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would work in their heart, give them the courage and the strength to give up control of their very life and to give it to you. Father, we love you, we praise you. We thank you for loving us and we ask these things in your great and mighty Son's name.